Now on February 18, visiting the Utah Jazz, Larry Bird was one steal shy of having the NBA's first ever quadruple double in regulation play. Have a listen to this astonishing stat line. 30 points, 12 rebounds, 10 assists and 9 steals. The most extraordinary fact of all, he chose not to re-enter the game after being told of his stat line when he was subbed out during the third quarter. Boston won the game 110-94. to 30 points, 12 rebounds, 10 assists and 9 steals in three quarters. Not even three quarters. He was subbed out during the third quarter. Yeah, amazing. Remarkable. Very impressive. <laughs> Hello to Paul Pressey for listening. I always like to say that Michael got to play with me for a year at North Carolina. <laughs> I think it really helped him. Spectacular player from the beginning. You can see right away Jordan was going to be a big-time scorer. And showed what an impact he was going to have on the league. This is NB85, celebrating the 30-year anniversary of Michael Jordan's rookie season in the NBA. And now, your hosts, Adam Ryan and Aaron Steen. Welcome back to another episode of NB85. Aaron, we're up to episode 20 of this series. Thank you again for joining me and being a part of it. As always, my friend, how are you? Good, mate. 20 episodes of the first podcast of its kind, a celebration of the 30-year anniversary of the rookie season of Michael Jordan. Yeah, I've heard that before somewhere. That's really cool. I like that. <laughs> Time to chat about the next 15-day block of the NBA's 39th season. NBA News, Notes and Quotes, February 8th through 22nd, 1985. We should note here, mate, that there were no NBA games played between February the 8th and 11th due to the fact that it was the 85 All-Star Game break. And coincidentally, in com slash NBA85-18. That is our recap of said All-Star Game, and it's an absolute perler, if I don't say so myself. On February 9, the Chicago Tribune confirmed that Jerry Reinsdorf would become majority owner of the Chicago Bulls. He'd own 56.8% of the team at a price of $9.2 million. March 11th was his first game as the official Bulls owner. And I had a quick look at Forbes online, mate, and the Chicago Bulls 2015 valuation is a cool $2 billion. So quite a, quite a good return on investment, you'd have to say. Yes. Reinsdorf was quoted at the time saying the following, I don't have anybody to bring in. I don't have any special plans. I would anticipate no changes. Subsequently, <laughs> Rod Thorne was fired as Bulls GM on March 26th. He was replaced by Jerry Krause, who assumed the role of VP of Basketball Operations. Coach Kevin Lockery and assistants Fred Carter and Bill Blair were fired May 28. Those moves all occurred inside of three months of his official ownership. I'm assuming that Jerry may have been talking about immediate changes. <laughs> yeah. as in by the time he finished that quote. That sense. Then I found a very good, interesting, dare I say, article that was from May the 29th in 1985 from the Chicago Tribune. It was titled, Lockery is Bounced as Bulls Coach. And it says, reports have indicated two leading candidates to replace Lockery are New Jersey Nets coach Stan Albeck, who of course would become the Bulls' next head coach, but it also mentions the CBA's coach of the year, Phil Jackson. There you go. That's pretty cool in the fact that prior to Jordan's rookie season even ending, Phil Jackson's name was being floated in amongst possible coaching replacements. And of course, it wouldn't be too much longer from this year that Jackson actually became one of the assistants on the Bulls. Good to see in breaking down an article from May 29th that you're not jumping too far ahead. I'll do what I can. 
the purchase of the Bulls required a three-quarters vote from his future fellow NBA owners to be passed, with the only potential stumbling block being an ongoing issue from 1972 when Milwaukee businessman Marvin Fishman was awarded $12 million in damages from the then Bulls owners when his bid to buy the Bulls that year was illegally blocked. The sale was formally approved the day after this. Just love this sort of minutia, mate. Cool stuff. The main difference for the franchise was that they had an image that no single person was in charge with multiple, obviously, majority owners, and that was now all going to change. On February 11, MJ spoke of the butterflies that he experienced in the All-Star game in Indianapolis. He said the first trip up the floor usually alleviates you of any nerves, but he didn't feel himself until the second half of this game in calling his appearance in the game the highlight of his career. The Tribune said the first one was the most difficult for Jordan. The next dozen or so should be easier. On February the 12th, mate, Detroit visited Chicago, and this was a game that we chatted about in episode 19 in depth of the series, so we won't muck around with this one too much. The Bulls won the game 139-126 to in overtime in front of 13,363 people. The Bulls went to 25-25 and on the season. It was the first time in over a month that Chicago was at full strength. Corwell Jones and David Greenwood were both back in the lineup. Heading into the contest, Detroit had won 14 of its past 18 games. For the Bulls, Jordan had 49 points. That was a career high in his rookie season, at least. He had 30 of those in the second half and overtime. 15 rebounds, 5 assists and 4 steals. Orlando Woolridge had 31 points. Quinton Daly, 21. Sidney Green had a great game, 16 points and 15 rebounds. For Detroit... Vinnie Johnson had 28 points and 7 assists. John Long, 26 points. Isaiah Thomas, 19 and 9 assists. And Billy Lambeer, 19 points. Also on this date, the Lakers defeated the Clippers 121-110, to making it 5-0 and in their season series, the first as co-inhabitants of Los Angeles. Byron Scott led all scorers with 25 points. Denver racked up its 10th straight home win in a 131-107 to shellacking of Atlanta. On February 13, Bob Sakamoto wrote that on the day Aaron Steen turned seven years old, MJ (laughs) celebrated with a 49-point performance that few witnesses will ever forget. He was glowing in his praise of a number of Bulls, including Sidney Green in his first career start, Wes Matthews and Quinton Daly. With his parents in attendance, Jordan took advantage of a slightly injured Isaiah Thomas and took it to him in, in the Bulls' win. Isaiah suffered a corked thigh in the All-Star game, and it appeared to hamper him in this contest as well, at one point missing a wide-open layup as he appeared to have zero lift in his legs. He appeared to recover well with 23 points and 25 assists in their following game against Dallas. I say he did quite well. (laughs) Bob wrote that the first half of that game belonged to Orlando and Wes, who combined for 31 in the first two quarters, and as we mentioned in the previous episode, Sydney Green hit two enormous free throws to get the game in, into the overtime period. And you just alluded to it a moment ago, mate, a very entertaining Dallas at Detroit matchup. Mark Aguirre dropped 40 on the Pistons. Impressive enough. However, that was overshadowed by the aforementioned Isaiah Thomas's 25 assists. Detroit won the game 124 to 119. Zeke's tally of 25 assists tied a team record set by Kevin Porter in 1979. In another game, Bernard 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 King's 46-point and 10-rebound effort against the 76ers was not enough as his Knicks lost 131-129 to at Philly 
Moses Malone led Philadelphia with 37 points of his own. Good stuff. On the 14th of February, in an article titled Some Big Players Sure Act Small by Steve Daly, there was a couple of intriguing Jordan quotes in the wake of the alleged 85 All-Star Game freeze-out. Now, these comments were made after his 49-point showing against the Pistons. Take a listen to these. This whole thing has hurt me, really hit me hard. I've been talking to my parents since the weekend, and they've been trying to calm me down a little. It's hard for me to understand what this stuff is about. So I thought they were quite interesting comments from Jordan, who was still trying to process what actually happened about this whole kerfuffle with the alleged freeze-out, mate. Another interesting angle towards the Jordan and Isaiah Thomas feud, and I guess it also adds to the dismay that MJ would have been feeling with the continual beatings by the Pistons in the playoffs in the late 1980s too. Also on the 14th of February, number one draft pick Akeem Olajuwon decimated the Knicks in a stellar performance at Madison Square Garden. He had 30 points, three boards, sorry, three boards, (laughs) (laughs) three blocks and an NBA season high 25 rebounds as Houston were 113 to 105 winners. On February 15, in their, you want minutia, listen to this, in their <laughs> upcoming game on Sunday, Miami, Ohio's Ron Harper and Northern Illinois' Kenny Battle promised an, and I quote, in your face, you're a disgrace, <laughs> end quote. Dunkathon. Ron Harper vowed to show Kenny Battle his Michael Jordan dunks on the weekend. Oh, that's an absolute beauty. Where did you get that from? The Tribune? It was... Out of the in and outs. Oh, that's fantastic. And in your face, you're a disgrace dunkathon. <laughs> I, know. I know. The Tribune wrote of that night's game versus Indiana that the Pacers' inside dominance of the Bulls might be coming to an end with the emerging inside play of Sydney Green. Apparently, when it came to Sydney's last few good games, one hot day did make it the summer. <laughs> so, unfortunately, it wasn't all green uh, pastures. For Sydney. Grass was pretty dead on both sides of the fence. (laughs) The article went on to talk about Green's tough upbringing in the Bronx and how that has translated to a tough guy demeanour in the pros. He got into plenty of fights on the playgrounds in New York City and was also now 2-0 in his NBA prize fights against teammate David Greenwood and Scott Hastings of the Atlanta Hawks. <laughs> I remember that earlier in this series, we did chat about the Sydney Green versus David Greenwood stoush, uh, and great to see that he got to mix it up as well with Scotty Hastings. <laughs> Later that same day, of course, Indiana were playing at Chicago, and Chicago lost the game 114-96, to quite a disturbing scoreline to say the least, at Chicago Stadium in front of a lowly 7,782 fans. The Bulls dropped below 500 to 25 and 26. Indiana snapped its five-game losing streak. And from what I've read, when Tommy Edwards announced two minutes left in the game, it drew one of the largest cheers of the evening, which is never a good sign. For Chicago, Orlando Woolridge had 24 points. Jordan had 17, but also had seven rebounds, six assists, two steals and two blocks, which you can't sneeze at. And Dave Corzine had 12 points and seven rebounds. For Indiana, Herb Williams had a great game, 24 points. Steve Stepanovich had 23 points and 16 rebounds, if you don't mind. And Vern Fleming, 16 points. Obviously, a nice sprinkling of Herb Williams across this game <laughs> got Indiana a little Indiana the wind. <laughs> he was certainly a nice condiment as far as the... No, I don't even know where I'm going with that. <laughs> um, that makes no sense whatsoever. 
Also on the 15th, Cleveland upset Philadelphia 112-107 in Philly, registering their first win in the city of brotherly love in more than nine years and 22 games played. Roy Hinson of Cleveland had 25 points and eight rebounds, and he was ably assisted, pun intended, by John Bagley, who had 15 dimes. He also notched up 16 points and eight rebounds for a near triple-double. Of the previous night's game in Chicago Stadium, with only 7,782 fans attending the game, Bob Sakamoto wrote that, and I quote, all the no-shows figured there'd be no show, and they were right. And that's a good line there from Bob. A pacer 10-3 run to end the third, and a 15-3 run to start the fourth broke the Bulls back. MJ, who went 8 for 20 on the game, scored only three points in the second half as the Bulls shot only 37% for the game. The largest crowd in NBA history to that point saw Philadelphia defeat Detroit 125 to 114. 43,816 people filled the Pontiac Silverdome in Michigan, and this eclipsed the previous record crowd set just the previous Sunday at the Hoosier Dome in Indianapolis for the 85 All Star game. Sadly, an incident occurred with 47 seconds remaining in the game. Now, this is quite scary, to be honest. A fan threw a coin that hit referee Earl Strom on the side of his nose and then glanced off his left eye. Said Strom after the game, in all my years of officiating, that has never happened to me. So that was quite strange and disturbing. You always hear about, in Europe, uh, irate fans who throw coins and batteries and whatnot, but... I've never heard of that in an NBA game before. Yeah, and hopefully we won't hear of it again as well. That's that's an ugly side of the game. Also on the same day, Bernard King exploded for 55 points. <laughs> it, did, it did. Pieces all over the floor. Yet the Knicks still lost 126 to 117 to the New Jersey Nets. New Jersey were led by Buck Williams. He had 31 points. Very good indeed. And Mike Jaminski, who added 28 Houston's Ralph Sampson had 41 points and 21 rebounds at Cleveland in a 122-115 victory, the Rockets' seventh win in their last eight games. On February the 17th, which was also Jordan's 22nd birthday, Chicago travelled to Milwaukee to the Mecca in Wisconsin in front of 11,052 people. They lost the game comprehensively, 125-105. to Happy birthday, Mike. Happy birthday, Mike, exactly. And the Bulls dropped 25-27. and Speaking of Mike, Mike Dunleavy from Milwaukee, he was on the injured list, which was still stemming from that airline incident on December 1 in Baltimore. So incredible that that continued to linger on. Following their win, the Bucks were ahead 3-2 in the team's season series. The Bulls had dropped six of their last seven games. The next day, the Tribune wrote that at the same time last season when Professional basketball was just a vicious rumour in Chicago. That's a classic. The lowly Bulls had a record of 21 and 31. This season, the record was 25 and 27. And despite hiring the league's best rookie, the progress just isn't good enough. This was on the back of the spanking by the Bucks the previous night. Hello to Doug Collins, if you're listening. Terry Cummings said that Jordan looks a little tired and compared MJ's situation with his rookie season with the San Diego Clippers. TC said it seemed like so much fun in the beginning, but after a while, it's like a horse carrying too much. There's too much on the wagon. <laughs> uh, you've set me up beautifully, I have to say it. <laughs> Shameless self-promotion. com slash 17 to hear my conversation with Milwaukee Bucks legend Terry Cummings. For the game itself, Jordan had 26 points, three rebounds and three assists. Quentin Daly had 20 points and seven assists. Orlando Woolridge, 18 points, and Sidney Green, 10 points and six boards. 
for the Bucks. Sidney Moncrief had 21 points, 4 rebounds and 6 assists. Terry Cummings had 20 points, 8 rebounds and 4 steals. And also former podcast guest Ricky Pierce had 17 points and 5 assists. And Ricky Pierce in Orlando.com slash 28. How do you know so quickly which episode he was in, Adam? <laughs> a very kind gentleman named Aaron Steen sent me an attachment with a list of all the episodes and what we covered. And how long did it take you to actually utilize said attachment? Well, honestly, I printed it out today <laughs> and you sent it to me maybe three months ago. <laughs> but thank you very much, mate. Better late than never. You're welcome. <laughs> now, on the same day, Magic Johnson scored 13 of his 37 points in the fourth quarter as the Lakers defeated the visiting Boston Celtics 117-111. to 111. It was LA's seventh straight win and also doubled as Pat Riley's 200th win as Lakers coach since he took over head coaching duties early in the 81-82 season. Bird led the Celtics with 33 points and 15 rebounds. Purvis Short of the Golden State Warriors lit up the visiting Bullets of Washington for 46 points as his Warriors held on to win 125-121 to at home in double overtime. Dominic Wilkins, one of your favorite players, mate, yep. secured an Atlanta win with three seconds left by hitting a twisting layup as the Hawks escaped with a 91-90 road win at the LA Clippers. Now, on February 18, visiting the Utah Jazz, Larry Bird was one steal shy of having the NBA's first ever quadruple double in regulation play. Have a listen to this astonishing stat line. 30 points, 12 rebounds, 10 assists, and 9 steals. The most extraordinary fact of all, he chose not to re-enter the game after being told of his stat line when he was subbed out during the third quarter. Boston won the game 110-94, to and Mark Eaton had 50. Mark Eaton, former podcast guest, dare I say, in Orlando.com slash 49. Thanks, Aaron. You're welcome. Um, he had 17 points and 15 rebounds for Utah. But how phenomenal, and there's my first phenomenal call, how great of a stat line is that from Larry Bird in less than three quarters? 30 points, 12 rebounds, 10 assists, and nine steals in three quarters. Not even three quarters. He was subbed out during the third quarter. Yeah, amazing. Remarkable. Very impressive. <laughs> Hello to Paul Presser, you for listening. The Tribune wrote on February 19, As if the Bulls don't have enough troubles, more are on the way. In reference to the upcoming game against the eventual champion Los Angeles Lakers, who the Bulls defeated at the Forum back on December 2nd. LA was on a seven-game win streak and had won 12 of their previous 14, compared to the Bulls losing six of the last seven. And also James Worthy, who missed the previous game in LA, would be playing for the Lakers. <laughs> Not great. True to form, the Lakers will win this match later that same day at Chicago, 127 to 117 in front of 19,052 people. A great crowd. The Bulls dropped to 25 and 28. This was the second and final meeting of the teams in the 85 season. Chicago defeated the Lakers in LA back on December 2. For Chicago, Orlando Warriors had an absolute blinder of a game. 30 points and 9 rebounds. Quentin Daly, 26 points and 5 assists. Wes Matthews, 18 points. MJ tied his season low with 16, but had 6 rebounds and 8 assists. For the Lakers, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, 27 points, 9 rebounds, 6 assists and 3 blocks. Incredible stuff. Byron Scott, 22 points. Magic Johnson, 20 points and 11 assists. And Michael Cooper had 19 points. Same day, Houston coach Bill Fitch was fined $3,000 and suspended two games for grabbing the whistle of referee Paul Mahalik. He protested a foul call from a February 16 game versus Cleveland. He was teed up and continued to complain and was given a second tee. That's when the whistle grab took place. 
Seattle's Tom Chambers was also suspended on the same day for his actions, allegedly pushing a referee after he was ejected during the Sonics' February 16 game versus Kansas City Kings. So a couple of interesting incidents there, mate. On February 20, the Tribune wrote that these Bulls play their best basketball in a while, but it wasn't good enough against the hottest team in pro basketball, wrote Bob Sakamoto. Wes Matthews missed two wide-open jumpers down the stretch, and the Lakers fed Kareem, leading to the Lakers' eighth straight win. The Lakers ended the first half on a 13-2 run and shot 65% on the game from the field to take a 73-63 halftime lead. (laughs) That's a full game now in some 2015 games. As you mentioned, MJ matched his season low with 16 points, and again... According to the article attached to the game, had foul trouble in picking up his fifth foul early in the last quarter. The article spoke of the teams below the Bulls in the standings who were eyeing their playoff spot. Quinn Daly said that he doesn't think that they would duplicate the fate of the previous season when they went 6-26 and in their last 32 games oh, of the 84 season. That's horrendous. Um February the 20th, Denver were 132-129 to 129 winners against the Boston Celtics. Larry Bird's 40-point performance was offset by the Nuggets' Alex English, who had 38, and Calvin Natt, who had 33. Denver snapped a six-game losing streak to the Celtics. Rookie Tim McCormick, who was picked number 12 in the 84 draft, Yikes. playing in place of the suspended Tom Chambers, scored 27 points and grabbed 11 rebounds. So that's a wow. great performance as his Sonics defeated the Clippers 118-105 to in LA. The Clippers were led by Norm Nixon's 37 points. It would be the equal second-highest scoring game of his career. Same day as well. Moses Malone had 38 points and 24 rebounds in Philadelphia's 137-116 to victory versus the Golden State Warriors. On February 21, Magic Johnson had a triple-double in the NBA's only game on the slate. 15 points, 10 rebounds, and 17 assists. Bloody good numbers, those. In LA's 123-117 to win at Kansas City, James Worthy added 26 points and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar had 23. Big game from James. It was indeed, mate. It was indeed. Should have been his nickname. On February 22nd, an article in the Chicago Tribune asked the question, is pro basketball's hottest star beginning to burn himself out? Has the grind of the NBA taken some of the air out of Michael Jordan? MJ replied to this question with, I just think I'm in a little slump. I'm not tired and I don't think I'm playing too many minutes. I'm getting my eight hours of sleep and I'm not out on the streets all night. When asked if NBA games are more intense than college, Jordan shot an incredulous look at the reporter and said, more intense than Coach Smith's practices? I don't think so. Oh, that's surprising. I was expecting him to say something opposite actually. But then, of course, when you think about the late Dean Smith and his practice sessions, I guess that makes perfect sense. Jordan's scoring average over the previous three games had gone under 20 points per game. But though personally, I don't think that a three-game snapshot really suggests that MJ had hit the rookie wall, just the media jumping the gun for a story, I'd reckon. Coach Kevin Lockery was concerned about the weariness of Jordan and spoke to him the previous Monday. Jordan assured Coach that he was all right mentally and physically. That day, the Bulls did play the Boston Celtics at Hartford in Connecticut at the Civic Centre in front of 15,685 fans. The Bulls lost again. They were 25-29 and 29 on the season. It was 115-105. to 105. Boston took the win. A game day preview read, and you actually read parts from that, Michael Jordan hopes to emerge from a three-game slump 
Now, for some perspective, you did mention he was under 20 points a game in that three games. Over those three games, and granted they were losses, he averaged 19.7 points, 5.3 rebounds, and 5.7 assists as a rookie. Perspective, people. This was Chicago's 11th consecutive loss on the road, so that's not very good at all. Stats from this game, Jordan had 26 points, 4 rebounds, 7 assists, and 3 steals. Orlando Woolridge and Dave Corzine had 18 points apiece. For the Celtics, Bird had 34 points, 8 rebounds, and 5 assists. Kevin McHale had 24 points, 11 rebounds, and 6 assists. And Robert the Chief Parrish had 23 points and 11 <laughs> rebounds. <laughs> and one for the Minutia Hall of Fame. Juwan Oldham and Sidney Green missed the flight to Hartford and were fined. Lockery said that there will be no disciplinary action as traffic going to O'Hare Airport was really bad. <laughs> Just eight minutes before the United flight that the Bulls were on was due to leave, only five players were on the flight. <laughs> oh, dear. And before the upcoming game against the Utah Jazz at the stadium, the Bulls were putting on a Legends game. The game included former greats of the team, such as Bob Boozer, Johnny Kerr, Gar Hurd, and John Mengelt. Yeah, who's actually a commentator for the Bulls, of course, during this season particularly. In other games, Charles Barkley had 29 points in and 18 rebounds. <laughs> we'll probably cut that out of the uh, final cut. Yeah. In other games, Charles Barkley had 29 points and 18 rebounds in Philadelphia's 110-99 win versus the Detroit Pistons. It was Julius Irving's 35th birthday. I think he had a nice cake with 30... No. Uh, he scored 19 points. It was the Pistons' seventh loss in nine games. And in Dallas's 110-101 home win over Washington, Mark Aguirre scored 45 points, and his coach, Dick Motter, became the NBA's then fourth winningest head man with 696 victories. I believe that the NBA actually celebrated Julius Irving's 35th birthday by putting the number 35 on their shorts a few seasons beforehand. <laughs> You're talking about the 35th anniversary of the league? Yes. Nice, nice. <laughs> I like that. I'll probably, keep that. Yes. I'll probably keep that in. San Antonio traveled to Phoenix and George the Iceman Gervin surpassed 25,000 career points. That's NBA and ABA. He scored 32 in San Antonio's 118-111 to win in the Valley of the Sun. Houston's John Lucas, who was dismissed from the Rockets two months earlier due to a positive drug test, played in his first game back following suspension. I initially thought he was actually fired, but they must have reworked the deal. He had recently signed an amended contract. I've answered my own question. Oh my that God. stated he must remain clean or lose a substantial amount of future earnings. Good work, Adam. How do you get over to you, mate? The NBA Player of the Week. There was only one awarded during this time frame due to the NBA All-Star break the week of February 17. Irvin Johnson of the LA Lakers, 27.7 points and 13.6 assists as the Lakers went 3-0, including a 37-point explosion from the Magic <laughs> Man against the Celtics on the 17th of February Individual highs during this time frame, points 55 by Bernard King for the Knicks against the Nets on the 16th of Feb. It was his second highest scoring game of the season after his 60-point explosion. (laughs) Versus, again, New Jersey on 25th of the 12th. Undoubtedly, the most frustrating thing for Bernard in these two scoring outputs was they were both losses by the Knicks. 
and we did say in a previous episode, one of his quotes was he'd rather score 10 points and win than score 60 and lose. The high-end rebounds for this time frame were 25, as we mentioned earlier on, by Akeem Abdul-Elijahwan for Houston at the Knicks on the 14th of February. And Isaiah Thomas had 25 assists against Dallas on the 13th of February. Happy 7th birthday, Aaron Steen. (laughs) Nothing like making the podcast episode all about yourself. Just quickly looking back on those highs, we've got a 55-point game, a 25-rebound game, and a 25-assist game. They must be three of the best individual highs for a period of time we've chatted about in this NBA 85 series, without doubt. Agreed. Let's quickly run through the NBA standings through February the 22nd. The division leaders in the Atlantic, the Boston Celtics, were 45-12. and 12. In the Central, the Bucks were 39-17. and 17. The Nuggets were the Midwest leaders at 35-21. and 21. In the Pacific, the Lakers were 40-17. and 17. Now, Chicago were traveling pretty ordinarily during this period of time. They went 1-4 and four and were 25-29. and 29. The Golden State Warriors were going even worse. They were 13-43. and 43. They went 2-5, and five, including a two-overtime win versus Washington. That brings us to the end of yet another exciting episode of NBA 85. I've enjoyed myself. I hope you have, and I hope our listeners have as well, mate. Is there anything you'd like to add before we do tie a bow on this bad boy? It's my turn. Giddy up. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show and share my web address with your friends and colleagues in allairness.com. Check out the podcast archive for plenty more episodes with high-profile guests. Follow me on Twitter at inallairness. Please add your like to the show's social hub, facebook.com slash inallairness. Join me next time for another edition of the show.